might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. All right, welcome to another Metal Tales from the Road. Very special edition. Here we have our friends Kat and Sasha, who through the episodes, the Cupid's Arrow of Friendship was shot for ladies that have become buddies from the podcast. I love y'all's friendship. I love celebrating y'all's friendship with you. Uh, welcome to the show. I think you've both been on before at some point. No, I yeah. haven't, but Sasha has. Okay. You haven't? I could have sworn you did when you no. talked about your shoes getting busted up. But, huh? <laughs> no. Really? How did I even know that story then? Okay. Um, yes, I was on coincidentally for a Metal Tales from Germany before. Yeah, um, you're a big court. traveler. I am. It's <laughs> <is> my thing. <laughs> and you guys share a, a friendship with um, Nicole, who's in New York. Mm-hmm. And then also yes. Anya, whose house, Sasha, you are currently staying at. Yes, I am sitting on her couch right now. Wow. And Small I world. know her. Yes, I know all these ladies by way of Metal Up Your Podcast. Because yeah. of when I was on the Metal Tales, I said, I wish I had more female metal friends. And they reached out to me. And then here we are, like, what, four years later? Yeah. And, and I think and the first time we met in person, all four of us was at SM2, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yep. And, and since then, it's pretty much we chat every day. We do. And Kat, you and I got to hang out last summer. When I was, um, man, where was that? Was that near Isle of Wight? Where was that? You, you came, yeah, you came to play the Isle of Wight Festival. And then we were somewhere near Winchester in this very weird, isolated, <laughs> rural place. Thank you for coming out there. That's one of those places where you're driving there. And as you're driving there, you're like, am I going to be killed here? Um, it's either going to be <laughs> fine or the only other option is I'm going to be killed here. Well, it was very nice when eventually I found it. Yeah. It's very lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really good hang. You and Ethan were there and Johnny Sword. It was lovely. Yeah. That was a good time. Thank you for coming out there. And I've hung out with Sasha many times. You guys are awesome. Two of my favorite people that I've met through the podcast. So I'm glad to have you both here. Exciting times. Let me know your thoughts on the 72 Seasons situation. You guys, I'm guessing, have the album. And what, what do you guys think? You guys like it? Where does it fit for you guys? I really like it. I think it's growing on me. I like. I think I like it better than Hardwired initially when I started to spin it. Um, I kind of like the vibe of the album. I know it's quite samey, but I quite like that sound. Um, so, yeah, it's growing on me with each listen. Um, Enamorata and You Must Burn are probably my two favorite tracks cool. on there at the moment. Yeah, I love it. What about you, Sasha? I actually really like it. When I heard the first singles, I was kind of like, I like them and like love them, you know, um, in isolation. But then when I hear them in the context of the whole album, I really do like them. And, and you know, you could call it samey or you can call it cohesive, you know. Mm. Um, and yeah, and Emirata is my favorite part. <laughs> oh, really? That's, that's one of the highlights for both of you. Yeah. And Too Far Gone is my other favorite, actually, which 
I don't know. Not a lot of people say that. <laughs> I don't know why, but the back half's become my favorite for sure. Like mm, the, yeah. the stretch of after If Darkness Had the Sun all the way through Inamorata. I love Too Far Gone. Love Chasing Light. There's some of the mm. songs that at first I didn't know if I would feel connected to. Room of, Room of Mirrors, mm. too. So, And I know you guys always go see lots of shows, right? So you guys had to have been looking forward to this season of yeah, of course. seeing the band live. Because for you guys, and I know for you, especially Sasha, Kat, maybe not as much, but maybe I'm wrong. The meeting up with fans that you've become friends with. I know that you guys recently got to see Edgar. Like the community mm-hmm. part of it, I know that for like my friends Sarah and Pete who go to a lot of shows, mm-hmm. I think they go to every show actually. Almost that part of it is is as much you know something to look forward to as seeing you oh. know, the band, seeing James and his new uh, tight black pants, which I I'm obsessed with his pants Ooh. on this tour. Mm-hmm. They're cool pants. I yeah, definitely. Like I love seeing people, and it was so you know I went to. Of all places, Vilnius, Lithuania, and had a friend there, Martinez, you know, who I know through the podcast, who I met through the podcast, and he gave me a great tour of his city, and um, yeah, so it, yeah, it's incredible, like how um, how many people I've connected with because of you guys. What about you, Kat? Is that is that for you too? Oh, absolutely, totally. Um, I think that's a really big draw, and you know, when I'm not seeing shows with Sasha or Nicole and Anya, which is probably most of the time. I know that wherever I go, that I'm going to find someone that I probably have met before and can connect with from other shows. So, um, you know, Linda, Linda came and hunted me out when I was in the line in Hamburg on both nights, came to say hi. So it was lovely to see her. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. a community of people that you've met at these other shows and you just, I think that for me, that's one of the best parts of it. I just love that. Yeah. I love reconnecting with everybody. Yeah. And I watched this show with somebody that I watched, that I met at the show in Germany that I went to in 2019, my friend Jackie. And so it's nice too, that, you know, you can keep in touch with people um, by way of social media. And then you cross, you know, cause you know, you'll cross paths again if you're into this whole thing. Yeah. And I had some forum people that I've connected through the Met Club forum. Um, yeah. they were next to me on both nights and then somebody coincidentally who knew Sasha was behind me on night two. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, it's a big community, but also a really small world at the same time. Yeah. And meet new people every time. So, I mean, my, my last big year of seeing the band was during the worldwide tour. I saw five shows and I went to three arena shows really kind of quickly back to back. And mm-hmm. the last one I went to was Nashville and we threw a big party the night before and it's like all the people yeah. at the party were there and no one went for the rail. We all just hung back in this area together, maybe mm-hmm. 20 to 30 people who were, had been at the party. And wow. we, we were like watching the show, but it, we were also just like interacting with each other and having fun in that way. And, and in some ways that was my favorite moment, even seeing them like front row mm-hmm. snake pit, which I know you guys got to rock some. So yeah, Kat, you're like famous now because you're in all these pictures and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, I saw that you're you're in like you're in the promo like thing for the snake pit, like snake pit this way. There's like a picture of you looking lovingly up at at Papa Het, right? James, yeah, and Linda, Linda's Linda was at the same show, and so she's just she's just kind of out of the shot, but she's pretty much next to me. But yeah, that was a surprise. I I didn't realize. I mean, I walked past that sign because I got the moth into the flame package for Hamburg. I walked past that sign twice. I didn't even clock it. And I was in the pit and some friends of ours in the pit 
um, they had the platform. They came into the pit and said, have you seen that big sign? You know you're on the banner. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they dragged me out to go and have a look at it and brought me back. That was great. Yeah, it's great and also slightly horrifying at the same time. I'm like, could somebody just not get a flattering picture of me? (laughs) Please. The room you're in, our listeners can't see it, but let me paint a picture for you all. Cat is in what looks like a bedroom, and behind are five Metallica posters, all very neatly placed together. And and one you can't see, which is the Nashville, um, the national, the Nashville one with the woman that you've got. I've got that one right behind me. Yeah, well, that's off out of camera shot as well. Wow. Okay. Yep. So, are those five shows that you've been to, or are you? Is, do you have the significance of posters? The Nashville one I really like, so I collect. I collected that. Um, the other one, I think. I've got one which is an all within my hands poster, um, a helping hands poster, Twickenham. I went to that show. Manchester went to that show. And I'm going to change them because I've also got a portfolio full of posters. Um, it's kind of been my vice that needs to stop now. A bad collecting habit. So you've got a portfolio of some that you don't even have up, but you're thinking of maybe like seasonally switching out Maybe get a little change of scenery, but it's always going to be a Metallica poster. I think so. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. This is this is my spare bedroom um, come office, so you're very lucky because you see it. So when I'm at work, I have to blur it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> too many, too many calls with um, non-Metallica people who will comment, who mostly say these are not very straight and make some weird comment about my <laughs> artwork. Yeah, I get it. My wife works from home as well since uh, COVID and her office is up by where my studio is. And so I'm always coming up and down getting coffee. And this one time I came and kissed her head and I said, I love you. And she she later texted me. She was like, that was really embarrassing because I was on a thing and I was, you know, but um, yeah, but that's cool. You know, I've never been a big poster guy, but sometimes the bug will bite you like the, the, the Nashville one we're talking about. I'm sure the diehards listening will know it's a very cool poster and it has a typo on it, which makes it kind of cool. It does. They have the wrong date on it. But if I see a, a really cool one, I will like suddenly want to get it. I have one right here next to me that no one can see from Oslo from 2018, which is this huge demon looking thing. We went to a Dave Matthews concert in town the other night. And I'm not really a poster guy at all, as I'm saying, but they had this really cool one and we stood in line for it. And when we got to the end of the line, they were sold out. Mm. So what's the poster vibe when you have these packages? Do you have people like secure posters for you or do you go get in those queues and stuff? <sighs> um. Yes and no. So um, I have in Amsterdam, I picked up the night one poster and I've tried to be religious that I'm not going to get both posters. I'm going to pick up one. So I got Amsterdam night one, Paris night one. Um, Hamburg, I didn't manage to secure that, but that was because I didn't want to leave my spot and I didn't really have a buddy at that point that I felt secure enough to say, could you just hold it while I get a merch? And I was getting a bit jumpy and jittery about going in at that point. I get very uptight before the show about getting to my spot. I don't mm-hmm. want to leave it when I get there. I don't I don't know what that energy yeah. is, but I'm the same way. Yeah, because um, unfortunately, I screwed up. And you know when the tickets went on sale, we didn't have long to consider what packages we were going to buy. And I didn't realize Sasha was going to come to Hamburg. So I knew I wanted to upgrade at some point to um, snake pit tickets. So I just bought whatever I could get, which happened to be Hamburg. So it just, for us, it was really bad timing because we didn't get to hang out together on the rail because Sasha was on one side and I was wherever I was in the pit on the other side. So it was a bit of a downer. But we had both managed to get an upgrade in Paris. So at least we got to spend that time together in the pit in Paris. So that was good. 
Anya's here and she's waving. Oh, hey, Anya. What's up? All the world's colliding. I love it. Okay, so going into the shows, night one, so someone will already have done a Metal Tales for night one, so we won't spend too much time on that. But what I'm curious about is, did you guys catch the openers? And if so, what did you think? Yes, we did. Night one was Wolfgang Van Halen and his band. And he's very, I I really like him. I really dig him. I love that album. I'm looking forward to his new album. Um, He's got a great group of guys with him. My only criticism with him as an opening act is he is very static. He goes to one mic and maybe he moves to a secondary mic. In fact, I think that was the first show I've seen him move to a second mic, but he stays in a very confined space on one side of the snake pit and tends to play into the snake pit. Right. So if you're in GA, you don't see much of him and he doesn't move about. The band runs around, but he's very static. That contrasts quite significantly with the other openers who really own that enormous stage. You know, sometimes when you when you go to shows that big, when you level up and you're playing shows, you'll even get like a performance coach to come actually help you physically like know how to how to work a stage like that. Mm. That's interesting. I can also attest to when you're playing a show that big, it's such a strange thing. And when you have a snake pit that almost feels like a club, I mean, the snake pit's so big now, it's like a club. It can be very easy to just basically be playing for those hundred people or whatever it is, you know? It's about a thousand. Thousand thousand people in the snake pit. Holy shit. All right. So night two, you get in there. Now, this is the show that you guys were able to hang out together or no? No. Okay. You no, were? we were separate. Okay. Did you, I mean, you guys meet up at all before or anything? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. We, I mean, we were staying in the same hotel. We're sharing a hotel room, but I, I get very antsy if I'm not at the stadium. And I had a strategy, which I blew, which was I was not going onto the edge of the snake pit. This show, I was going to just be chill and hang out in the middle. Well, that uh, that failed miserably. Um, so I thought, I'm just going to go to the stadium and just see how I feel. So I got there about quarter past nine, and I walked ahead of Sasha, who stayed behind in the hotel for a little bit longer. I think you came down about 10, didn't you? Something like that. Yeah, because I had a hangover. Because she had a hangover. And okay. um, and I we popped around and saw each other because, but we were on the opposite sides of the stadium. So in Amsterdam, they had all the experience packages put together in one entrance and it was a complete disaster. So the experience people have learned and they've separated out all the different experiences. So you'll have moth into flame and nothing else matters. One end of the stadium, frantic and I disappear at another entrance. So we couldn't even see each other. And on the first night, Sasha was in the freezing cold on night one in the shade, and I was in a nice warm area. But night two, it was boiling hot from um, basically 10 o'clock in the morning. Sun was beating down. You had shade, didn't you? And I had absolutely nothing. Yeah. Very hot. I had shade. The shade Because of the shade, I was freezing the first day, but the second day, <laughs> um, I was pretty comfortable. <laughs> Yeah. So you got there yeah. at 10 in the morning. I mean, what, what time are doors? Doors are at um, four, but we get early entry. Okay. Yeah. So they start the whole process of filing us in at 2.30. And there's actually not that many I disappear people there. And we have our own line. And I was kind of kidding about being hungover. I just stayed up really late and I was tired. So, you know, when I got there, there was only one other person in our line. So I was second um, showing up at 10, which is not normal, it, I guess. It, it was... I have to say, the German crowd, they just didn't turn up till later. Yeah. So, 
when I turned up at 9.15, there were three girls in the Moth into Flame queue, and they were the same girls that I queued with on night one. Um, but in the other entrances, when I walked around the stadium in terms of the GA entrance, there was nobody there. I, I walked to see Sasha about 11, and one entrance had four people. And you contrast that with Paris, 7.30 in the morning, there were about 100 people at each entrance for GA. Oh, wow. It was really strange. I yeah. was surprised. I was surprised to be second at 10 o'clock. Mm. I was like kind of actually hoping for more people to hang out with. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. I'm just thinking about being tired by the time the show starts. The last time I did that was for, I had, I had Snake Pit um, in St. Louis and it rained all day on us. And it was like seven hours of just standing in the rain. But now that I'm thinking of that, um, when the boys finally came out, I, I had all the energy I needed for the show. I think I couldn't walk for like the next, you know, four days because I was wearing very tight pants and they were wet for seven (laughs) hours and uh, developed several, developed several, several areas of rashes by the time we walked, (laughs) you know, of what felt like two miles to just to get an Uber that could get us to a hotel. But um, do you guys generally feel like the enhanced experiences were worth it? Mm, mm, That's an Mm. interesting um, question there, Clint. Okay. Um, I think, okay, I'm going to, oh, I am going to give away a secret. And <laughs> and if you benefit from this, people listening, and you see me at a North American show or a European show next year, please pull me into the rail um, as payback for this. Um, the best package, I think, in my opinion, is the frantic early entry package. Um, and that's one where you will get rail if you get there early enough. The I Disappear package that we thought was going to be similar to the black ticket hasn't in Europe worked out that way. That we go in, and I say we because I normally have that package, we go in behind the frantic group. So um, you could have somebody turning up with frantic tickets at 3.30 and they will get ahead of Sasha, who's been there since nine o'clock in the morning. Hmm. So they let everybody through and then we file in behind. And in Hamburg, I think there was what, 750 frantics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so by the time you get in, I mean, getting a rail spot is challenging. Sasha was lucky. You managed mm-hmm. to get a coveted dip rail spot. Yeah. But, um, um. That's true. I'll say like it, I, I was just like my mouth agape watching all, like hundreds of people mm. go by. However, uh, you know, because even in um, the past, like the, you know, shortest straw or whatever the package was that was right above, um, that was like the, that just got you into the golden circle. Even um, that there weren't that many people, there weren't 750 people. I don't, so this is, you know, it's kind of um, difficult to watch them all go by. However, I will say that the rail is enormous. I mean, because the, right. I mean, the stage is like 300 meters around, you know, it's like a track, like they're, you know, everyone keeps commenting about how James is so skinny now. And it's cause he's doing like track workouts every night. He's getting his intervals in. Well, he also quit so, drinking. It's so big. Yeah. He's also like, they are running around so much up there. So anyway, the thing is so big that, 
there's a lot of rail to grab for, but, um, how did you get the coveted, what cat calls a coveted dip in the <laughs> rail? How did, did you know somebody? No, I just ran. I, I'm well, I ran faster than anyone else. And um, <laughs> all that running coming in handy. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm training for. Um, the, the entry into Hamburg was a little bit different. I think, uh, in the other venues, they've pretty much walked everybody into the venue right down to the base of the towers and sometimes even further and then let you go from that point so it's a very limited run Sasha likes to run and I'm assuming your package Sasha was similar to mine in that once you got through the um the main entrance at the top you were allowed to run down the well you weren't allowed to run down the stairs but people were running down the stairs and onto the floor and it was less controlled than it had been at the other shows yeah, like, and so that advantages me when I can run, especially running downstairs, because that, you know. Whereas that, I, I would die. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Die. One of the last times I did that was actually 2003 for Pearl Jam. We'd already bought our tickets, but we had GA, and GA was like first come, first serve. It was in an amphitheater. And we, I sat with my friends, actually, one of the most fun nights of my life through the night for like 12 hours, and we slept there and all that shit. And when they let us in to run to GA, I could not feel my legs. It was like, it was such a strange feeling trying to run fast. And this is when I was like super young, but yeah, running has its advantages for that. I would probably pay for whatever package would allow me to leisurely walk to a great spot. Does that exist? Is that what you had? There isn't. No, that doesn't exist. No, no, there isn't one because as Sasha said, there is a massive amount of rail, Right. but unless... Mm -hmm. Unless you are a certain height, there's only a certain amount of good spots on the rail and they're very limited that the higher spots tend to have those um, movable lights. Mm -hmm. So for the very first show in Amsterdam, I was at a higher area that was probably about six and a half feet tall and then the lights were in my way. So I could sometimes look through the hole in the lights and sometimes around the lights if the band wasn't in front of me, I wouldn't really, I couldn't see the other side of the stage. This is such valuable information about this. We should charge for this episode. This is basically a how to best optimize your experience. And I know I'm giving away all of the secrets and screwing myself over for other shows, but people will find out by show two anyway. Yeah. Right. Well, I, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that the stage is awesome if you happen to be Shaquille O'Neal. If um, then you can probably see everything if you're like eight feet tall. If you're not, then um, I think that there just has to be. I have like you just kind of have to accept that you can't see as much as you could in the past because they're moving around and they're far from you a lot of the time. Let's talk about that just briefly, and then we'll move on to the set list. I know people are interested in the set list, so I have heard similar comments that you know once they start moving, there are certain points where it can kind of feel like you're not watching the band mm -hmm. yeah. or you, maybe you're waiting for the moment where Rob will come pay you attention or Kirk will come over and hopefully it's during the unforgiven solo. What are those moments like? I mean, if you turn it, like if you do a 360, can you see the band or are you relying on those like columns of screens? Like what is that like? Well, even, even the columns of screens are kind of hard to see because they're narrow, you know, so yeah. like you don't see, it's not like the big, huge led screens where, which uh, you could see, you know, a lot. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like different in that, you know, you don't get that, you know, the same amount of, um, exposure, I guess. Um, but, um, I guess more people are able to get some exposure. So perhaps it's like democratic in that way. I don't know. And there are spots like during, um, the song, which song was it? Oh, during King Nothing. 
Um, I was in like a pretty good spot on the dip and like, you know, they come down the ramp and go up, but no, like during that song, not one of them came by me. So I just kind of looked at an empty stage for a whole song, hmm. which is kind of a bummer. That's the thing also with a snake pit that if you're on the edge of the pit, that used to be a really good spot in the smaller snake pit. Mm-hmm. You get some FaceTime and you can see across, you can see the rest of the stage. But I was on James's side of the dip for this show and Kirk's side um, on the snake pit side for the first show. And when they're not in front of you, you can't see anything. You know, you can turn, there is room, so you can turn with your back against the snake pit, edge of the snake pit. But you're looking over a thousand people. It's like being the, in the back of a thousand cap room. Hmm. You can't see them. There's blind spots. So there was a lot of the time where I couldn't see the band and that you just, I mean, you're having a great time anyway. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're interacting with everybody around you. You're watching on the screens, but there is dead time where you won't be seeing any of the band members, not even in the snake pit. That's why I had discussed about maybe going into the center because we think from talking to other people, the center is kind of the best place to be for the snake pit because you can move around, you can track them, you can follow the band, you can see a bit more. But um, unfortunately for me, once I actually get onto that spot where I know I will at some point see a band member very close up, oh, can't can't leave it. Well, Tried. <laughs> and how else are you going to be featured in the promotional materials for the snake pit? Well, unless right, you're right exactly. Up. How are you going to be the poster <laughs> child for the snake pit? <laughs> well, and Sasha, you posted a video, didn't yeah. you, of, of, like, was it James right in front of you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so the video was from um, Paris, but the photo was from night one in ha- Hamburg, because that night I was on the rail, but, like, right in front of his chair. So I got to see a lot of his, like, rituals and stuff like that, which was pretty cool. So bring us into the moment of, I mean, when you're going into, did, was there an official in-between night party? Did you guys go do that or anything? Is that the thing that you were hungover from, Sasha? Yes. Sasha did. Yes, that's what I was hungover from. Um, My Talica, which is a German um, tribute band, is really, really good. And they played um, at this club and got to see a lot of friends there and it was packed and everyone was, I lost my voice from screaming along, but um, it was super fun. And Jimmy Clark was there like handing sticks to the drummer and stuff. It was kind of funny. It's like, I know he's like, he's like, let me pack your drums up for you. No problem. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who don't know, Jimmy Clark, Jimmy Clark is Lars Ulrich's drum tech. So that's cool. This is Jimmy was there hanging out in between party. All right. So you're going into night two. Okay. And you know, we've all, I think the bubbles burst a little bit on the set list. We kind of know now that, with a few minor exceptions, there are two sets. Obviously, if it's no repeat, but they, you know, you guys basically got almost the same set as Paris Night One um, for Night Two, which I'm not begrudging that. I think it's cool. But so if you know the jig's kind of up on the set list, you maybe more or less know what you're getting into. Yeah. What's the vibe going into Night Two? Yeah, I mean, it was cool, but everyone was excited. It was a Metallica concert. I think, well, there was one change through the Never they hadn't played before on this tour, right? Had they not? I'm not talking. I, so. I can't remember. I think they did play it. Really? I I it's the second so. time we've had that. Yeah, they're alternating that slot. I think that's the third slot, and they're alternating it with Holier Than Thou, Through the Never, and they did Cyanide. I think, you know, the vibe was really exciting in the sense that, like, the band is really peppy, you know? Like, they, and it was, you know, when James came out, came out stage during Bells, like, he was headbanging and dancing and very spry. And I think that like, you know, lights up the crowd. And, and I think 
I think it was a better vibe than night one. Uh, there was something so there was something weird going on with night one. Night one was very odd right from the start when the band came on late. So that they normally starting at 8.45, pretty much 8.45 on the dot. And they didn't come in till, on night one till just after nine. And normally when they come in, the band will run around to their various different stations and get set up and then go on stage. And Longway just appeared to keep going towards the end. It was almost like it was on a little loop. And Kirk hadn't come out in night one. And I was thinking, what's going on? And then Chad runs off, not Chad, Justin runs off with a guitar for Kirk. And there was just something weird going on. So the vibe just felt a little bit different. And night two, dead on time, bang, absolute banging vibe from the minute Long Way started. That sounds like a last minute potty break or like a last minute, maybe important phone call from a family member. That that sounds like, yeah, something not huge, but enough to disrupt a 15 minute walk mm. on. There mm. were... Um- or maybe James didn't have his cigars ready. I don't know. Well, I got to watch him smoke a cigar that night. But the um, but the thing, but there were a bunch of weird little glitchy things that happened throughout the night. Um, I think perhaps they're still learning their way around this ginormous stage. Like there was um, a time when, like when James, the song finished and James was really far from his station, and he full on sprinted down the stage to get there. Um, that's what, and there's, and then also like during the day that I think it was during the day that never comes. Um, that's what was that the song? I'm pretty sure it was day that never comes when Kirk's, um, guitar g- glitched out and lost the signal. Um, hmm. and he had to finish on a different guitar. Interesting. So this was night two, not night one. Yeah. I'm talking about night so, two. So night one started off weird just because mm-hmm. they were late. Mm-hmm. Did them being late affect the, the show length at all? Did they have to cut any, they didn't cut any songs or no. anything? Interesting. All right. So they come out for bells. Mm-hmm. There's a little pep in their step. At least, yeah. you know, you're going to see 16 different songs, even if yeah. you maybe more or less know what they are. It's pretty exciting to know that you're going to definitely see fade to black, for example, or, you know, you're definitely going to see ride the lightning, mm-hmm. which would have been a highlight for me on the set. I like that. They open with two uh, lightning tunes. I think lightning just continues to prove, mm-hmm. I mean, shit in this show alone, You've got Bells, Lightning, Fade, mm-hmm. and that's it. But three out of the seven songs from Ride the Lightning are still being played 45 years later. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And Bells seems like kind of like a no-brainer opener. Bells still seems like it'll work anywhere. I think it works really well at the top. And they've got kind of got this new intro. And I think it's a, just a banging tune to open with. It really just got everybody going. I mean, they opened with Creep on night one, which is just as good. Amazing. Another Lightning tune. Yeah. But no, it, I think it was straight out of the gates. They were on fire. Yeah. One of the things I've definitely noticed, starting with um, the World Wired tour, is they have definitely had someone come in and produce their show, meaning someone came in. I mean, we do this in our world. You know, we do this. I've done this in the last several artists I've played with. Is someone will come in, they'll more or less know what the set lists are, and they even will musically build segues in between songs, they'll build intros to songs. Where they'll take elements of the stems, you know, mm-hmm. like Unforgiven, they did that. They take this like snare thing that wasn't even in the original, but I, I know from like the demos and stuff that they had this like snare thing and they would build an intro. That's mm-hmm. how they build, like, you know, when they do the thrashy songs, they'll usually play the more mellow intro and then they come in, you know? Yeah. I think that's interesting. They've definitely had someone come in and help them build this show. So oh. I imagine, I'd be curious if you guys can remember any of the songs that have this almost pre recorded sounding 
yes. interlude that that has little tangents of the song they're about to play and how that fits into how they start it because I find that very fascinating. Before fuel, right? And Lux, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely this. before the new album songs. So, okay, let's talk about the new album songs. Oh, well, uh, hold on, let's camp out for a second in King Nothing. So they've got this slot where they're doing King Nothing until it sleeps. How do you guys feel about load era material being played? Is that is that nice it. for you guys? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I'm well yeah. down with that. Yeah. Yeah, because Absolutely. it's only in the past few years that I've gotten over myself and started to like the loads. Um, so... <laughs> Um, so, you know, so now that I like him, I have an appreciation for it because, you know, yeah, I've blossomed. Whereas for, for, for me, that was kind of one of my, it, it wasn't necessarily the album that I came in on, but it was definitely around that time period. So I am definitely very fond of those albums. So I'm very happy to see them in the set list. Well, I think Memory Remains and Fuel are awesome. I, I've always, I've literally always loved those songs. I, I distinctly remember being a kid hearing them. I've never stopped liking them ever. Um, but I am kind of bummed that those are the only two they seem to play, both from mm-hmm. Reload. Yeah. So I'm glad that Load's getting some sauce. And plus, those two songs were big hits. Do you guys remember? Well, Kat, I'm not sure what the like climate of MTV was like in 96 for you, but Until It Sleeps was a massive video over here. I mean, you it could was. not watch MTV without seeing it like once an hour. Yeah. No, well, you know, well, Because I grew up in New Zealand and I didn't move to the UK until 97, uh, um, we didn't really have MTV. I mean, we're only crazy. just starting to so get sort of music videos. Oh, I know. I was gutted. I mean, obviously, <laughs> everyone was like, MTV. Yeah. Well, no. I, think I love how on the podcast, so often it comes up how much, how influential MTV was. And yeah, I mean, I was like, I didn't have cable, but if I went to somebody else's house, I like didn't want to do anything except watch MTV. Um, so yeah, it's too bad that that's not well maybe on youtube it sort of works that way for kids but it's not the i don't know it's not as big of a part of our culture for sure if i found a channel that just played mtv including commercials from the 90s i would probably lose my job i would probably lose everything (laughs) just to sit and watch it you know yeah and vh1 so like you could you know if you didn't like what was going on on MTV, you could toggle over to VH1 for a bit. Yeah, those were the days. Sorry to take this tangent, Kat, but there was definitely a period where VH1 was lame and mm-hmm. MTV was the shit. Then, somehow, VH1 started to get really cool. Pop-up video behind That's the music. That's what I was going to say, pop-up video behind the music. Yeah, for a second, VH1 got like really like neck and neck. Yeah. And then MTV had a sharp decline. Like MTV turned to shit so quick and never recovered. Yeah. And then for like five years, VH1 was like what you watched if you actually liked music. Yeah. So, cause that was right when the real world start, what like became a thing on MTV and MTV started to have like, you know, the first reality shows and started to have all these other um, things that weren't music videos. And that, which was the same time when behind the music and, um, and pop up video were on. Um, yeah. which I remember very vividly cause I had a broken arm for like a really long time and couldn't, you know, so I sat and in college, so I sat around watching, um, MTV or and watching like cable. <laughs> well, if you were, if you were a poor kid from Alabama, I mean, the first reality TV was cops. I don't know if you know what that is. Oh Kat. yeah. Well, well, I, I, remember that. Had that. I loved that. <laughs> we had cops and we had uh, rescue 911 and those were the big, you know, the big shows on, but 
Yeah, hard to overstate MTV. And yeah. and especially Metallica in the 90s on MTV was crazy. So the fact that they've been kind of more or less ignoring King Nothing, which to a lesser extent was a hit, but Until It Sleeps was a huge song. So, all right. So yeah. it's cool they were playing that. You got to see both. It was one of the benefits for you out there deciding whether or not to go to both shows. I mean, you're... The, the the no repeat situation is was brilliant of them to you know keep people interested in going to both shows. All right, so the new songs live. So they're playing the same six. Am I right? Mm-hmm. They're playing obviously on night two. You saw Lux screaming suicide sleepwalk, mm-hmm. but then they're doing seventy two seasons. If darkness had a sun and you must burn. Mm-hmm. Are those the other three? Yep. Yeah. What do you guys think about the new songs live? Like I think it's interesting that they have them sort of in a block together. I know, right? And then they'll. They'll take a break and they'll do either, I think they either do Sanitarium or Fade to Black. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they tend to kind of do them together and get them out of the way. And one of the things I'm curious about is uh, if anyone's still playing the drinking game out there, I'm about to mention Dave Matthews to so take a yeah. drink. My wife and I went and saw Dave Matthews for the first time, uh, a non-festival show for the first time in over 20 years. He has a new album out. There are a lot of analogies happening right now with Metallica. He played the title track, which is called Walk Around the Moon. I was excited to see it. Real excited. It's a great song. I know that they've been doing it well live, but you could see lines and lines of people taking a potty break during oh, that really? song. Is that is there a similar vibe? No. So I, that's what I was going to say. Well, so one thing I feel like, I wonder if they don't play them together because the same thing that we talked about, about the album being very cohesive, like if they sound good together, you know? So maybe, oh, so interesting. Yeah. That's my wondering if that's why they're doing it that way. The other... Um, the other thing is that I was astonished by how many people knew the words to all the mm. um, new songs. Cause like, you know, everybody yelling temptation, yelling, wake me, you know, that at least the, um, those big parts, like had a lot of crowd participation, which I thought was impressive. I love to hear that. Was that your experience as well, Kat? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely was. Yeah. Now you guys, I wonder if this also makes a difference is you guys were in snake pit rail type situations where you're more likely to be with other diehards yeah yeah that'd right? be fair I, I wonder what the vibe is like for the average joe like a big conversation like every song almost that came on with dave matthews because my wife doesn't care really either way about <laughs> him but you know certain songs would come on and she'd be like what's the um she would basically want a breakdown of like how does this fit for diehards how does this fit for casuals so mm-hmm. I, I always tend to do that with metallica as well yeah i wonder if they have them grouped together because they were afraid people would be less interested so they figured they could sort of hit them in a block mm. and then everyone would sort of know to stick around. I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me. I think, th- I think I would like to see them spread out because I like seeing how they hold their own with the catalog. Does it, you know, does it have anything to do with their um, stage being so ginormous that like, are they, uh, you know, cause you were talking about the production and um, the, you know, how the whole thing is like kind of orchestrated or choreographed or whatever. How, does, I wonder if, is there something different like that they do for those songs that that would make it make more sense for them to be together? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen enough video to see if like if they're making any guitar changes for those. Like the only thing that's weird is that Fade to Black's right in there. I know. Like, mm. you know, yeah. or Sanitarium. Okay. Ahead, I wondered sorry. if they shoved them sort of in the middle of the set and the grouping because the first show was just 2 weeks after the album release. So whether or not they were concerned, you know, normally we would expect the opening track to be at the top. Yeah. And that's what we would open with. But moving it down there, maybe they just felt not comfortable enough to put them further, uh, closer in the beginning of the set. And I wonder if that will change 
when we hit North America, when the album's been out a bit longer. I think that's plausible. And you know what? I hope they do. I hope they, mm. I like to see bands treat their new material equally. You know, like I remember, I'll never forget it. I've mentioned it on the show before. I'll never forget seeing Tom Petty. And this is right before he passed away. He had a new album out that my wife and I both liked a lot called Hypnotic Eye. And when it came to the point to play that song, he kind of apologized for it. And then he basically let everyone off. He was like, well, we're going to play a song from our new album. We think it's great. But if you want to go get a beer or use the bathroom, this is time to do it. But we're going to play a two song. And, you know, everyone kind of did. Like no one, everyone sort of followed his lead and didn't care. Yeah, and, well, it's a and, self-fulfilling prophecy if you do it that way. I agree. And Dave did a similar thing. He did a little more of a fuck you where he was like, well, we're going to play a new song. We're going to play old songs. We hope you like it. If not, better luck next time. Like, Because he has a very, <laughs> his fans are very bitchy. Sasha, you may know more about that than Kat, but very kind of catty, bitchy, uh, yeah. impossible to satisfy fans. Way more than Metallica. I mean, Dave Matthews literally plays a unique set list every night and people still complain. So... Um, but I do hope that they have, I hope, I hope that if it is a confidence thing, I do hope they have more as it goes on because mm-hmm. fans seem to really love the record and like Lux is a great opener. Mm-hmm. I would be thrilled to see Lux open a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of expected it actually. Like yeah. I thought that's how it was going to work. You know? Yeah. I expected it to open too. I didn't think mm-hmm. opening with 72 seasons would work. I'm glad they're not doing that, but it does seem to Kat's point, like they're coming out, hitting you pretty hard with undeniable i mean if you open with creep or bells who's arguing with that the most cynical shithead is gonna (laughs) the whole stadium is agreeing that this is awesome with those two songs right um how was fade to black was how was kirk how was kirk in general was kirk playing well like everything sounded good to me except for that whole that part where um it totally glitched out i um yeah i don't it sounded good to me but again like not being right in front of me in some ways i feel like i was less perceptive you know yeah and they were all out of my line of vision for fade and Mm -hmm. i i mean i didn't even notice the guitar glitching out because sometimes the just generally the sound wasn't that great that sometimes Mm -hmm. i couldn't pick kirk or james or rob sometimes out of the mix yeah it's a big old big old stadium and the sound was generally good but there were these mm. dead spots and i don't know whether or not it's it's the mic cutting out or whether or not it was the um venue uh-huh. itself causing issues yeah sometimes there's kind of so much chaos that you it, it, you know that there's actually a big rule as a performer that if you we, we call them clams if you had a clam which means if you mess up mm. the mm-hmm. big rule is don't draw attention to it you know like mm-hmm don't look embarrassed or if, if your bandmate clams you don't look at them you maybe look at them 30 seconds later you give them a knowing like i heard that motherfucker but you know there's so much happening <laughs> in a live show that if you it, it sounds like farting or something a clam hitting a clam <laughs> the way you're like talking about like there's like and like there's you know there's you know a uh, protocol on how you're supposed to respond yeah there's an etiquette well, because the because the audience kind of knows when something might yeah. be wrong, but they don't know why. And they're actually, what I think audiences do in, in any kind of performing entertainment is they're looking to the performers to basically help explain what might be weird. And if yeah. you don't do that, everyone just moves right past it. Yeah. Unless you do something like fall down, which Kirk has fallen down. And then in that case, the only move is to exaggerate it 
Because remember when he fell down and then he, he basically yeah, did a few extra, mm-hmm. he rolled a few extra times, which, yeah. which kind of absolved the whole thing. But if he had not done that, it might be talked about more. You know what I mean? Right. It's the extra yeah. roles that made it like vaudevillian and comical. And then everyone was like, oh, okay, everything's fine. Yeah. Well, remember when James stepped in a hole and he's, and yes. came now, out and he's now like, that we're dead. He's like, don't worry. I just hurt my feet. It just hurt my feelings. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah that, where was it? That was in Europe also. He fell in one of those holes. It was in uh-huh. Amsterdam, wasn't it? Yeah. I yeah. think so. Were you guys expecting Orion? Is it, I guess yes. if, this, yeah. if you knew pa- Paris night one, then I guess, because, you know, they open with Orion. The first night of the tour, which kind yeah. of blew everyone away. So those seem here to stay. Do you guys have a preference? Was there one that stuck out to you more? Do you prefer one or the other? I love Cthulhu so much. I love so them both. Yeah. I mean, I love them both, but I really love Cthulhu. Uh, same. Um, I'm a Cthulhu guy for sure. Yeah. And then, but Orion sounded fast. Did it sound really fast to you, um, hmm. Kat? I didn't no, it didn't sound no? r- really oh. fast to me. It was all no. that speed you were on. <laughs> Probably. I used to uh when I toured with this guy named Bob Schneider, my drink of choice was always vodka Red Bull because mm-hmm. I'm a redneck. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would drink several of those an evening and I would be laying in my bunk and like I'd be listening to something mellow, you know, like mellow Ryan Adams and it would sound like a punk rock song. I was like, <laughs> why does this sound so goddamn fast? <laughs> And I realized I just was so caffeinated, you know. But Orion, Orion was the one where James came out smoking the cigar. And I was really oh. looking forward to it because I knew he was going to come out with this new Cthulhu snake bite. And I really wanted to try and get a, a closer look at that because where I was on night one for Cthulhu, um, James never made it round to that side of the snake pit for me to have a look. Um, so it was great to have him pretty much right in front of me, even if he wasn't turned face on. Um, but he was huffing away on the cigarette, uh, the the cigar, and he did look totally badass as he was doing that. It was like, <laughs> were you checking out his tush? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I look at his tush. I mean, what can I say? <laughs> and I love jeans. the pants. Yeah. I know the pants. Was it you guys? Was it one of y'all's Instagrams where I mentioned the pants? Yes, it was mine. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just I love them. Love, love those pants. And he was cool he was also pants. wearing a very he was also wearing like a very European looking like shirt that strapped weird he was looking very like steampunk ish yeah maybe he was getting suited up for that ramstein maybe he's guessing at a ramstein show <laughs> yeah that would be cool because i'm going to them <laughs> i love how into ramstein you are that's such an interesting <laughs> facet of your personality i know but but speaking of clams also there was i think there was a clam in orion yeah. Uh, well, not necessarily clam, but certainly there was a. Sasha cumus. thought you were going to say something else. What? Sasha <laughs> thought you were going a different direction. No, I wasn't. Um, but someone was, messed up in Orion. Uh, yeah, well, Rob was playing with um, James over on one side, and and Kirk, and then suddenly, he I think he missed his cue to sort of go into that solo bit by Lars. So he runs down. He's hmm. running off to the other side. Kirk's standing there, almost giving him a Paddington hard stare, like. What the fuck are you doing, man? Uh-huh. And then Lars is wiping down the drum kit. And then Rob, you can see him like, okay, I'm into it now. And it was kind of this weird little vibe that was going on there. But it was quite entertaining. Kirk's, definitely Kirk's dagger glares. Well, I wish I had my camera out then. because. But you know why I think that is? I think it's because he is usually in the hot seat. Like, oh. he's usually the one people are kind of like, tisk. I think he gets the most tisk tisk from James. 
So I think when someone else messes up, because I saw him do this live when James messed his guitar up in St. Louis, mm. there's something in Kirk that's like, mm-hmm, how about you? How about you dropping the ball? But again, yeah. that's armchair psychology, because I do the same thing. I'm always looking at how they're interacting with each other. Like, I'm always trying mm. to look read between the lines of the show, because that's kind of what fascinates me about it at this point. Well, we skipped talking about something pretty funny that happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, when um, Kirk and Lars switched places and Kirk was playing drums and Lars was playing the guitar. What song was that on? Um, oh, it was Lux. It, yeah, it was between it was between Lux and Screaming. So Yeah. Um, so what did they do? They just did a little impromptu jam? Well, yeah, suddenly... Goofing around, I think. Yeah, James, James makes a joke about um, what's going on. There was something going on with the drums. And then he says something like, drums... No, we're not doing a drum circle again. Oh yeah, yeah. And then and then they're banging on the drums, <laughs> and then suddenly Kirk and Lars swap, and so you've got Kirk on the drums, and Lars doing. I think it was an Am I Evil jam on Kirk's mummy guitar. <laughs> James, that's like the only song Lars knows how to play on guitar <laughs> yeah. from from the early nineties. That's fun. It's fun to see them having like a good time in that way, especially yeah. in front of so many people. Yeah. it yeah. brings like a levity to the show that I and I think and spontaneity, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because the spot, like, it's those things that, you know, make a show special is like, the you know, the spontaneity yeah. and like the, mm. the things that, that, you know, especially when, you know, we're acknowledging that there, that, you know, a lot of it is, you know, very organized and, you know, not, um, and is very organized and planned. Um, it's fun the, when those little, like, pieces emerge that, um, totally. that, you know, kind of reveal their personality or their mood, you know? I think it's important for people to remember that for most of the people, literally 95% of the people at that show, that is a completely fresh new show for them. Yeah. And then for the 5% that, that do what we do and sort of analyze it all, yeah, it's those yeah. moments that, because the responsibility of playing a show at that level for that many people, it might be their first and last show. People have spent a lot of money. Like you can't leave too much to chance. Like, I don't knock at all that they've basically planned it out. And even they've gone, I think, an extra mile that they maybe don't even get the credit for by even having rotating slots. Mm -hmm. They don't even have to do that, you know? I mean, does Ramstein play the same set every day? They play stadiums. Yeah. yeah they, they just play the same set? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Because they have, like, so much fucking pyro and, like... Right. They have... And, yeah. When I saw... I went, Yeah. They have so much, like, that's, like that has to be carefully, um, you know, and thoughtfully applied. Cause you know, uh, you know, they're setting like tell setting black on fire and stuff. You know? know. <laughs> like, they, those guys are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it can be yeah. pretty dangerous for, for a band with that much kind of like actual pyro production. Yeah. It can actually be dangerous to mix it up because exactly. as we all learned with Metallica on the guns tour, you, when you have that much pyro on stage, you have to be in certain spots. Mm -hmm. And that's all choreo that's all choreographed, you know. So yeah. And Kirk, Kirk was giving me the heebie-jeebies night one with that. He, he got text going, uh, "No, stop! Don't go oh, down really? there." Mm -hmm. And then he moved somewhere else. And the pyro guy, who kind of looks like Garth from Wayne's World, he was going, "No!" <laughs> He's trying having to move him on and out the way before he sets the pyro up. There was one point I actually shouted at him, "Kirk, no!" Because I knew it was going to go. So I was so then they're doing? still learning it. That means they're still learning it for sure. But there's so much less pyro than yeah, there really is. Yeah. Worldwide, yeah. Well, really I mean, what is it? Just fuel, blackened, and moth, and a little. Um, I think there's a a bang and puppets, isn't there? Yeah, there's a and, puppet boom, but and um, Sandman 
and that's it. But there's there's really it's only moth and fuel where there's actually a decent amount of pyro at any one point. It, I was a bit disappointed it doesn't come out the top of the towers. <laughs> I thought that well, you know, they did that, didn't they, on the web wired? I thought they might use they the did. towers for pyro, but no, it's just a stage. And there's no fireworks at the end, you know. No, worldwide, they were doing fireworks at the end of the stadium shows. No. You, did you guys write? Did you levy your complaints on the uh, pink slips and put them in the, uh, yeah, totally. the box on the way out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, just made note of it for this conversation. That's all. <laughs> I think. Um, well, you know, the band listens, so they're going to hear this personally. Yeah. I think one of the other most interesting things about these seventy-two season set lists is that they brought the day that never comes back, which yeah. I think is a song they could play at almost every show, and people would be stoked. It sounded so good. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, but I mean, James's voice sounded fantastic yeah and i guess that's the one they're going to play on the alternate nights if they don't play one i just think that's the closest mm. in the catalog um that was also a hit that they like could get away with mm. also one of the highlights of snm2 in my opinion yeah. yeah blackened i will take it every show how was blackened well it was rousing i couldn't move so they weren't near me so i couldn't really see but it felt like it was going off behind me in the pit um, okay. Everybody appeared to be really into it, and certainly the crowd on my side. We had a lot of crowd surfers. People were well into it. I mean, at some point, somebody let flare off. They were um, that went down badly. And they're not going off the stage for an encore, right? They just play these no. sixteen songs, right? Yeah, which is mm-hmm. good. Which I, I, don't I dig. really need the, the yeah, and me too, because I don't really need the pageantry of it. You know, yeah, I agree. It's just a waste of time. They could have, you know, they could have played another Load Era song <laughs> during mm-hmm. all of that. Speaking of Load yeah. Era. And then you get fuel. How was fuel? Very hot. <laughs> yeah. People don't know who haven't been to those shows, but when they do that pyro, which good God, I can't even imagine what a Ramstein show is like, but you uh-huh. really feel the heat from that pyro. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was it was quite a hot and sweaty day, as we said. But when when that pyro went off, it was like, ah, oh. I mean, I love it, but it was so hot. It was yeah. so hot. But it was it oh. was absolutely banging that. I love it. I love to get flambéed by pyro. <laughs> I love pyro so much. But you're always cold. It's true. I am always cold. I don't like right. being chilly. <laughs> Those are the only moments in the show where you actually yeah, can feel warmth is when they yeah. well, blast seven pounds like of pyro. Being, like totally squished because then like other people don't like, you know, other people's bodies and sweat, sweat on them. I'm like, just keep me warm. It's fine. Yeah. I would be one of those people that doesn't want other bodies and sweat <laughs> on me for sure. <laughs> I like to get squished. There was a guy at one of the arena shows I went to on the rail, and he was like headbanging, and his hair kind of kept whipping the back of my head. Oh! And I did. I let him have his moment. He was having a good time, but I really you know wasn't what? enjoying that. I saw a guy whipping his hair around, and then it got stuck in another guy's nose ring. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yes, hell yeah, that's the show within the show. Yeah, no, it was really fascinating. How I was like, hold still, and like trying to. <laughs> Help them get Dude, untangled. It was great. That was, is funny. Yeah, like some like you know battle vest wearing like you know hardcore <laughs> metal. That'll stop the head banging like, real quick. Trying to work that out was pretty entertaining. But. Holy shit, that is so funny. There was a guy <laughs> yeah. at a tool show once who was right in front of us. He was on like an acid trip that was bad, and it was like a show within a show. You know, it was like a second show that I felt like we could have paid. You know, yeah. paid for. Um, so then you get Seek and Master fun moments. It was a, are they playing this sort of elongated version of Seek still, where they get the crowd going? Yeah, and there was, yeah, yeah uh, and 
to get the crowd going and then there was a really big hang before we go into puppets but the crowd was just jumping on all the way through seat certainly in my area yeah especially during the whoa part you know yeah that was um yeah that like people were really like everyone was doing it you know hand actions yeah the hand (laughs) action the fire fingers yeah i feel like seek is one of those songs that i i don't play it a lot at home but it is one live if you just get on board and have fun and everyone's yeah. around you yeah. it's almost like why wouldn't they play it why would they not play that song you know yeah and then of course ending with puppets huge moment i think i would rather see a puppets ender than a sandman and uh uh ender definitely yeah I like Do you guys them have both. any thoughts either way I, I, you like them I, both I would, I would take whatever i I'm given. I really, I know puppets is over, uh, Sandman's overplayed. We hear it all the time. But when it's live, I don't know. I'm really into it. It's a really happy, good vibe. I agree. So, I like both of the endings. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with both of those shows closing out with those two trash. Yeah. Surely, though, but surely there's a song that if they ended with it, you would be bombed. Like, what if they ended a show? <laughs> and it, <laughs> what if they ended a show oh, with I mean what Sweet could they Amber. end with it would be anything off St. Anger I would be oh fuck oh yeah I forgot you did you did your big revisiting of St. Anger a couple of years ago yeah. right no new revelations right no okay no I, I like the reimagined versions so all within my hands um, yeah. I like that but it, it, yeah it's just not for me I just kind of feel like I could have something else and I'd much, I would look if they played Dirty Window and it was rumored it was sound checked, I would be happy. I would take it. Yeah. But same. I'd still be, oh, couldn't you have played Bleeding Me or something else? Oh, hell yeah. Well, now we're talking. Yeah. I feel like if they ended the set, oh, yeah, with any sand anger, it would be weird. I feel like, and we're just going to shoot from the hip because I want to hear yours too. I feel like if they ended the set with like, don't tread on me, I'd be like, ah, or yeah, struggle be, within. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, okay, that was a bit weird. You didn't or trap in your ice or something. Yeah. Leper Messiah, if they ended with that. Yeah, that's not a set ender. That would be really awkward. <laughs> I think. It yeah. would be, wouldn't it? They're like, all right, good yeah. night. Thank you. Yeah. Like, can you guys please play Inner Sandman? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you would feel like like if you like have to sneeze and you don't, that's what it would be like. Um, that's a really funny analogy. <laughs> um, so are you guys seeing any more shows on the tour? Yep. Yeah. What are the yeah. what are the future shows you guys are seeing? Well, I'm going to Donington next week, then I'm going to Sweden, and then I'm going to Montreal and Phoenix, and those are my only two North American ones this year. Okay, cool. So you're going to be in Phoenix. Sasha, I'm guessing you're going to hop down for that? Yes. I'm going to a lot of the North America ones. Not Montreal, though, because it's like bizarrely expensive and complicated to get there from from Denver. I don't know why. but So, yeah, I'm missing that one, and then I think I'm going to... All the others, there's, uh, yeah, I might be only doing one night of LA, but other, yeah, pretty much the rest. <laughs> and then I have the, you know, I have the ticket for all of next year's. Yeah, Europe we do it all again. All of, yeah, and all of <laughs> this, but of all the shows, I'm so looking forward. I'm really excited to see them in Mexico City. That's kind of bucket list for me. So that'll be cool. Yeah, that's a big that's a big town for them. Always has mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. And then they have two, they have four shows there, and then like the week off in between, like the week off in between. I don't know. I'll I'll make good use of that time. Oh, you're <laughs> gonna stay cool. there for the whole time off? Yeah, that's dedication, folks. Mm. 
and I've yeah. run out of annual leave, so I'll have to work out what I'm going to do in 24 because I can't mm. see any more because my work has been tolerant, but there is a limit. Unfortunately, right. I do have to earn a living. Yeah. Well, I am glad that you got to see the shows you saw. I'm glad you guys are getting to hang out together. Yeah, um, awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad Sasha's there. I'm sure Nicole is uh, missing you guys. Shout out to Nicole. And uh, my great dream is that all of us can hang out together because we've all done it yeah. separately. I had a great yeah. day with Anya uh, last summer, a great day with Kat. Um, but I'd love a way for us to all hang out together. It'd be so fun. Yeah. You we'll need to come to, to Helsinki. Somehow. Yeah, you have to come to Helsinki. We're when all going to be in Helsinki. In June next year. Next, math is coming June, the June after. It's like the 6th and the 8th or something. <laughs> Helsinki is going to be awesome because if there's ever a metal town, it's you know, it's been, you know, the person who did the metal tales for Finland last time said that 1% of the Finnish population was at the Metallica show when they played there. All right. Well, you're saying this is June of 2024? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. There's Everyone time for me to, to figure that out. Yeah, you can figure it out. Well, and we've been going to Europe every summer now the last couple mm -hmm. of years. So maybe we'll already be over there. Who knows? Yeah. Hope and so. like once you're in Europe, hopping around is pretty easy because there's cheap flights on Ryanair. Totally. Um, easy jet. So that's why, and I'm off work. So that's why the summers are easier, like in Europe uh, are easier for me. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for taking the time to hang yeah. with me. It was lovely seeing you both and spending some time with you both. Likewise. And, uh, thank you for sharing all the tips. I'm telling you, if you run into Sasha or Kat at a show, you need to either pull them onto the rail or buy them a beer. <laughs> Don't buy me All a beer because right. then I'll have to pee and it'll be disruptive to my to my whole. <laughs> Get Sasha a beer, room. a beer and an adult diaper. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah, and, and everything will be fine. Yeah, All right, well, safe that. travels to both of you Thank and you. Uh, happy Metallica seventy two seasons. Thanks, Clint. You too. Bye. Hey everyone, Clinton Ethan here, and we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SNM2 and Slang Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tales series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. <laughs>